0: Hello and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, the weekly fanbite show where I, John Warren, shepherd you through the news and games entertainment while talking to some of the most interesting people I know. This week, I got to hang out with our very own podcast producer, Paul Tamayo, and talk about Hitman 3, Apex Legends, and a bit about our top stories of the week. It was a pretty big week for mega corporations falling flat to try to infiltrate the games industry. Have you heard that song and dance before? Let's start with Jeff's big store, Amazon. Well, wait, hold on. I, hold on. I'm being told it's no longer Jeff's big store. We should probably talk about that first, huh? Jeff Bezos, one of the richest people on the planet, whose wealth has grown by billions of dollars since the COVID-19 pandemic began, will step down as Amazon CEO later this year and leave the job to Andy Jassy, an executive who currently leads the successful Amazon Web Services team. Jeff, who, by the way, could end homelessness in the United States roughly seven times over and still be a billionaire, wants to focus on his other passions, including the Washington Post and the Bezos Earth Fund. Under Bezos' leadership, uh, Amazon has grown into a monolithic e-commerce e-commerce juggernaut and spawned many offshoots in the world of tech and video gaming. Bezos' departure coincides with the ongoing struggles with Amazon's labor force, which appears to be coming to a head after years and years of union busting and terrible working conditions in their many warehouses across the country. The Bessemer Alabama warehouse workers scored a big victory in their attempt to unionize this week when the National Labor Relations Board denied motions brought forth by Amazon to delay a vote that could propel the workers into the retail, wholesale, and department store Union on Monday, February the 8th. Amazon claims they filed the motion to allow more workers to vote by giving the warehouse more time to put together in-person voting instead of mail voting, which they claim would have a higher turnout. Uh Uh-huh. I'm sure that's why. Bezos also leaves Amazon during a time when some arms of their expensive businesses are flailing a bit. I'm of course referring to the Bloomberg report from last week establishing a pattern of mismanagement and incompetence littering the developments of several major games from Amazon Game Studios under the leadership of Mike Fritzini, who came through Amazon via Books and had no previous experience in game development or publishing before assuming the head of AGS eight years ago. Since then, they've released a bunch of tablet and mobile games you probably don't remember, uh, canceled Nova, Intensity, and Breakaway published a Twitch extension that allowed people to play Dragon Lair in browsers, an episodic racing game based on the Amazon show The Grand Tour, which was delisted about a year and a half after its launch. Uh, and they brought hero shooter Crucible to beta, out of beta, and back into beta before being closed and canceled. This is all while spending reportedly half a billion dollars every year, and that doesn't count Twitch, which Fritzini helped acquire as well. The New World, an MMO that has been in development in Orange County for five years, has seen several delays as well as deserved criticism for its setting, which is basically 1600 colonialists taking over a fictional island in the Atlantic. Zini has apparently told staff on numerous occasions that every game they work on needs to be a billion dollar home run. and despite hiring many experts in the game space, he doesn't listen to very many of them about decision making and carving a path toward, forward to succeed in this crowded space. Amazon Luna, the cloud service the company is developing is under different management for the record, but they're already competing in a crowded space with Amazon, excuse me with Microsoft and Google. Well, at least for now. Google, for their part, had a very interesting week as well, dealing with the remnants of their previous two years of decisions made once they announced their Stadia cloud service at GDC in 2019. Part of, that, uh, part of that announcement was a sweeping and major investment in first-party studio support for the cloud service headed by former Ubisoft boss and game development veteran Jade Raymond. Two studios in Montreal and Los Angeles opened as a result. Now, less than two years later, Google has cut funding to first-party support for the Stadia, and Jade Raymond is out of her position. Quick editor's note, in the conversation with Paul Tamayo you're about to hear, I offhandedly say Jade Raymond was fired as a result of this move. That is not true. It was reported she quit as a result of this move. I apologize for the error. Anyway, this officially ends Google's attempt to enter the first-party games field, as they have seemingly doubled down on third-party partnerships going forward. By most accounts, Cyberpunk 2077 is one of the cloud service's best arguments for existing, providing the least buggy version of the game on PC without the need for onboard hardware. If that trend can continue and infrastructure across the United States can keep improving, Stadia could have a future. However, Microsoft's xCloud offering is strong and it comes with a wide variety of first and third party games. Google may downplay these recent moves as a shift in focus, but it also feels like the first step in yet another failed investment for the company, which has put out dozens and dozens of products and services just to put them to bed shortly after coming to market. You know, GameStop, that whole story might be kind of dead, and I'm glad it is, which leaves us a lot of room to talk about The really bonkers stuff going on in a couple of different corners of the games industry this week. With me to discuss some of the biggest players falling straight on their faces is our brand new, excellent podcast producer, our
1: very own Paul Tamayo. Hi, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm going to request that uh, you or Jordan drop a flex bomb for that introduction. Okay. that That was nice. That was clean. Oh, thank you.
0: I yeah i'm actually usually pretty bad at those but that one was okay um, <laughs> that was good last week talking to jackie arwood was the first time i had to do it three different times so that was fun oh. um i think i what what was it that i i said some word like some very simple word very wrong twice which is very weird <laughs> oh no yeah it was very yeah. strange um Uh, first of all, how uh, we have not shared podcast space together yet. I don't think. Yeah. Surprisingly enough. Yeah. I'm glad that we're getting to do that now. So
1: yeah, for sure. Same, same. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been all right, man. I've, I've been good. It's, it's been a, it's been a lot of uh, learning. Jordan's been graceful (laughs) in, uh, you know, being patient with me about like simple questions here and there, but Yeah. yeah, it's, it's been great. It's, it's been a lot, it's been a lot of fun seeing, you know, getting a peek behind the curtain and, um, you know, just like just making cool stuff with everybody here. So it's it's been great so far, man. Um, yeah. yeah. I
0: mean, Paul's been able to see how the sausage gets made. And then I maybe got here and was like, oh, wow, this sausage is... Uh, maybe not
1: as efficient as it should be uh, <laughs>
0: efficient sausage making so
1: so we're working well i mean i think it. i think everyone can work on their sausage making wow God, i mean no that. it's true though i mean mm. that's the thing is that this went from like a mom and pop sausage
0: making operation to like a factory i feel like overnight and i think like yeah. that's been I, I yeah i mean we can't get to, i don't want to get too navel gazy but i also think it's interesting how things have been different since kind of the latter part of last year of just like blinking and wow, our organization is bigger. It's just really interesting, but you've been amazing at uh, helping streamline a lot of our processes. So we're super happy. Thank you. you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Super happy. Uh, Listen, I think um, it's, we, we can talk really briefly about Jeff Bezos actually stepping away from Amazon. I think some, there are some other details in the story that are, more interesting, but uh, yeah, Jeff's. I guess leaving. I don't actually have a sense that he's really been in charge for a while. But um, yeah, you know, how did when you when you read Jeff was bailing? What did you uh, what What were your thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I kind of had the same impression. I just feel like the guy's got so much damn money at this point. <laughs> it's like what, what what was he really doing? You know, like outside of. I mean, I I, I could be wrong, right? I'm not the uh, the business. Expert here, but I do feel like, yeah, there was a sense of that um, weird sort of realization that yeah, this guy's got a ton of money, and I'm not even sure. I I would love to find out how involved he was because I mean I've I've read I've read a bunch of of like you know really solid reporting over the last couple weeks of of everything happening um, around the you know the Amazon situation with him stepping down and and the person coming in to basically take over uh, what what he was currently I guess doing um, and how. Yeah. How, how they're, I mean, the, the interesting part, I, I might be sort of like s- s- jumping over a, a couple steps here, but no, the interesting right. thing is, uh, what's, what's his name? Mike Frazzini? Frazzini? Yeah. I'm Fre- not sure how to say his name. <laughs> I liked your um, second attempt, which was very Italian. Frazzini. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, oh, hey. Uh, listen, I, I'm from New York, you know? Yeah. You gotta, gotta stick it. It's good. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure, um, what so the the interesting part of that was how he has like really been sort of I mean he was the one who was like, Yeah, we're gonna double down on games and, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And he's like back to back with like the stories, like the story about Stadia shutting down their studios and yep. like the the turmoil that's been happening at like Amazon game studios. So it's all a bunch of like I don't know, like musical chairs with like rich white guys. And it's, it's, I guess it's like, I'm starting to see the appeal now. I'm like, Oh, that's why y'all follow Bloomberg and shit. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: true. Like, I, I don't know. It's so funny to me. I mean that there are obviously, I think regulatory concerns that Jeff Bezos is probably upset about. I mean, he's, you know, he's facing probably at least two years of, of likely increased. uh, Well, he, he believes likely increased regulation. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but with uh, a democratic house and Senate and president, Mm. I think, you know, some of that stuff might be more likely, uh, even though Republicans hate, hate this guy for the most part. Um, it seems like it's just, to me, Jeff Bezos is someone that everyone can hate. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, we can all come together and hate, hate Jeff Bezos. I think, um, the really interesting thing about his departure is he doesn't seem to have a lot of answers about a lot of the businesses that Amazon is getting into, like I think he was a e commerce i guess expert and you know, obviously yeah. relied on a ton of unfair labor practices to get where he got, which is, you know, about as much as I can say for most uh billionaires, all billionaires. Let's just say all billionaires. Yeah, capitalism? <laughs> Question mark. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> but like a lot of the businesses that they're getting into, in, in especially games, which we can talk about more in depth, seem to be out of his wheelhouse completely. And oh, yeah as evidenced by the, you know, who we put in charge of, uh, Amazon gaming is, uh, you know, obviously not really a game person. It's been reported uh, by Bloomberg last week that, um, you know, a lot of experts that they hired to come in and do, uh, do the work at Amazon game studios were just never really allowed to do that work. Um, does that particularly surprise you about,
1: about Amazon that they would basically hire someone that had no qualifications to do this? No, not not one bit. I mean, I I feel like it's a it's a common occurrence with a lot of these tech companies, right? Where they they hire folks based off of like data. It it is like a data-driven business. It it's right. about like, you know, how was your last at bat and uh how can how can we basically shoehorn you into this uh machine and somehow magically overnight, you know, start our path towards infinite growth, which is not real. That's like not a real thing. Um, I don't, you can't convince me otherwise. Um, I feel like, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, we're, we're, we've seen the same thing happen with Stadia. We're seeing the same thing happen, you know, over and over again with Amazon game studios, it feels like, and, and a lot of the reporting that we've been seeing come out coming out of Bloomberg, especially, which is, you know, like stories of people being, uh, not, uh, listened to and, and a lot of advice just being ignored. And, um, it's it's just like chasing trends all this kind of stuff yeah. it's it's typical tech behavior right it's like how can we you know identify a trend how can we capitalize off that trend and let, let's just like beta test a thing and in this case it's unfortunate because you're you're basically recruiting a bunch of actual human beings to be a part of this experiment and then when it when it goes you know when it goes wrong then it's like okay well you know nice try high five uh, we can try to we can try to find a place for you uh, in the locker room somewhere, you know, you're no longer on the team. Uh, we had to cut the team, but uh, <laughs> there might be a, a job for you in the in the office somewhere. And that's got to suck, right? Like, that's got to suck as someone who, um, you know, really believed in stuff that they were working on or were really trying their hardest to make something work here in this situation. I'm talking about like all, like all the other people that were like being overlooked and ignored and and, and, you know, reading the stories about the sort of toxic work environment doesn't help things, in my opinion, uh, at all. Yeah. No. So, um, yeah, it's it's just like typical tech behavior and, and um, execution that I've seen before, even up close um, in, in my own experience. So it's like, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. It's like, <laughs> especially with games, games is so hard to get into. You can't just like... I don't know, throw an algorithm at it and and cross your fingers. No, you can't. Um, Yeah, so Jassy,
0: uh, Andy Jassy is the new CEO being named. He uh, supports the video game development efforts, says he's going to continue them, support them. Uh, Also has publicly expressed support for uh, Fritsini, Mike Fritsini, who is studio heading Amazon Game Studios. Um, Let's go down the list of some of the things that we know are are notable from uh, Amazon game studios uh, history recently. Did you ever play crucible, the hero shooter that was out and then pulled?
1: I, yeah, I, I played it when it was in beta. I yeah. believe I, I, I honestly forget how strange that uh, release that was schedule was super like super weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was in beta and then they released it and they like pulled it, pulled, pulled it back. off. I forget how it was. Yeah. yeah. I played a little bit of it and I, um, I, I like, you know, playing the tutorial and stuff and and like the character selection screen, I was like, wow, this has a lot of polish. This definitely feels like a hero shooter. It feels like something, you know, akin to an Overwatch or Valorant yeah. where all the characters have strong personalities and, and pretty cool abilities and stuff. But then once we actually like, once I got launched into a game, I was like, what is this? This is a very <laughs> strange, uh, very dry kind of moment to moment, you know, situational shooter that didn't really connect in a lot of ways and and I I found that uh even in my own podcast discord shout out to the optional discord um hey. I hey I uh another flex bomb please too much work I'm sorry <laughs> thank you thank you John. um we were we were all kind of confused like what what is this you know like w- are, is this supposed to be f- you know fun and I and I feel bad like kind of you know sh- you know joking about it but it, sure. it was a bit of confusion of like, it definitely felt like they were trying to chase something and it didn't work. And we, we kind of see that time and time again with a lot of these games where like, you know, everyone is trying their hardest to make the next destiny or the next, you know, uh fortnight. I, th- I think that's probably the, the no pun intended apex of all of these, uh, games as service or live games. Um, and it, it, that that game in in my opinion felt like such a weird misplaced uh sort of like I a, a, i don't know attempt to to taste that trend did, did you get a chance to play that game i i didn't i i weirdly thought uh stupidly
0: that i would you know it would it would be a thing where oh like i'm really busy i was like i think i was playing valorant that summer and mm. i was you know it's like i'm a pretty busy person i usually have like two to three games tops at a time that I can really try. And I played a lot of games last year, a lot of games that I didn't actually, you know, I wouldn't have played otherwise because I just kind of made a decision to do it. Still crucible got on my radar and I was like, okay, like I'll play this in the fall. And then, yeah, and then, uh, my ability to play it in the fall went away. So, yep. um, yeah, I never did. I've watched people play it. Uh, I caught a little bit on Twitch. And, you know, again, I think kind of, kind of what you alluded to, it looked like a very competent um, hero shooter. But in that genre, you've got to be really interesting at this point. You've got to oh, be doing yeah. something really interesting or i mean in the case of valorant i don't even know how how interesting it is it's just mixing counter strike and overwatch which is like you know only that studio only riot could probably pull that off uh with their resources sure. and their cachet but like amazon game studios like no like you can have as much money in the world but you've got to have something good here you have got to have something interesting you have to, have to have something that breaches the market and that's a really crowded market, the hero shooters. Yeah,
1: and, um, and I think the other part of that too. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. Um, the The other part of that too that's frustrating to read about is that like the the people working on these games uh, have talked about how you know how hard it was to uh, approve to get decisions approved where right. like. Uh, I think someone was quoted as saying the company is driven by data and the employees are expected to write six page documents to get major decisions approved. And like that, that's kind of like typical uh, sort of, again, sort of tech, tech company yeah. behavior mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, we're going to hire all these folks and with really cool experience. And then, you know, however long later, like only one of them is still there and like they all declined to comment. So it's like at, at some point you start to look at it and you, you know, you, you pick up the magnifying glass and you're like, what went wrong here? And it's all kind of shrouded in this mystery, but it's, I don't know. It's, it just, it just seems really obvious to me that, um, you know, you hire folks and then you don't listen to them yeah. and you have someone in charge who is, you know, not making the right decisions and ignoring advice from people who have that experience. Uh, then like, what do you expect? You know? Right.
0: Yeah, they uh, to me you can't really apply sabermetrics mentality to creativity. Like it's just not really like right. you you can't you can't game that system before you do it. In my opinion, that's that's why QA departments exist, where creatives get together totally. and they 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 do a thing that they think is going to be fun. And there's obviously a lot of like math and systems uh, interactions that have to do with those decisions, but like. You typically make those decisions and test your work. You don't you don't do this thing where you you think and data analyze a creative decision to death. It's just like if Amazon is really into looking around and seeing what games they should be aping, almost none of those games were built with that data data mentality. Like most right. of their competitors were made with a very clear let's make something that feels good mentality. Even even their big competitors, even Blizzard, even Riot, they don't really make games the way that Amazon apparently is um, dedicated to making them, which is that very data-heavy analysis, which is the slog at which uh, decisions are made. Um, And I don't know. There are so many studios that they have to look at that do things well that they could just go, oh well we should just hire the best people and listen to them but they don't they
1: don't do that um yeah and and i mean it it's it's so weird to me it, like I, one of the clearest examples of them just sort of being real goofy w- with their with their moves here is like i mean i have been really vocal about my uh, you know on twitter and stuff about um my sort of i guess dislike or disapproval of uh, their game, uh, New World, their MMO game, New World. Yeah, when I'm talking uh, about that, when it was, <laughs> yeah, when, when it was initially, you know, revealed, it was like, hey, you want to play as a colonist in a fictional version of I d- you know, I d- 1600s hey, America? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, no, no, thank you. It can actually. Can we do the reverse? Can I? Can right. I be a, an indigenous person and, and fuck shit up? Um. So yeah, I mean, e- even like t- so, I guess I should also disclaimer. I have a. a, a my brother works at Google, and um, he's a software engineer. My father is a mechanical engineer. I come from a family of my mother went to school for like computer science, so I have like a a, a real real roots in like engineering and, and kind of software yeah. development and stuff like that. And like I, am not that any of it stuck. I was like, I'm going to art school, and I'm going to make movies. <laughs> so I'm going to be. I want to be a director. Um, so I say this with love, but I feel like a lot of those decisions, a lot of these decisions, and and. These um, the, the lack of awareness and um, just sort of sensitivity around certain topics kind of feels like some real, like the mind of an engineer type shit, yeah. in my opinion, where it's like, huh, if only you would have had more people in the room making the right decisions. And maybe they did, right? Maybe they did have the right people in the room who were like vocal, you know, vocally opposing certain decisions being made, especially around. A game like The New World, which I remember seeing like demos of it, and they're like, it was just bad. It's just like, you, I mean, I'm sure that exists online in video form if you want to go check it out, but like, I won't get into it here. But it did feel like there were moments where I'm just kind of like, man, it would have been cool if you just had a, a black or brown person in the room who would have been like, uh, actually, I don't know if we should uh, be making a game codenamed Roanoke uh, <laughs> after Sir Walter. <laughs> Uh, Rallies? Rallies? I don't even know how to say his name Failed settlements You know what I mean? Uh Like This is just A little tone deaf And and the the best part of that in my opinion Was they they actually hired a a tribal consultant uh, According to that Bloomberg piece and they were like, oh, yeah, this is fucking racist, man. This is bad. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, okay, yeah, it's not coming out anymore. Uh, 2020, we got we to gotta shuffle some things around and, and make this less problematic. It's like, man, if only y'all just had the right people in the room, I guess. I don't know. Or maybe they did and they weren't being listened to. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know who this game
0: is for. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess it's for a contingent of just like maybe those um, really awful uh history buff people that are really just like you know uh not so subtle racists about like the way fantasy games are are often mm. portrayed. It's like um you know I I don't know like I don't know who this is for. I don't know who is clamoring for an MMO that's st- set in uh, uh colonial America like I don't I don't know who I don't understand it. I don't understand the vibe. I don't understand the the premise. I don't understand why it has been delayed so many times. Like, it just seems inevitable to me that this is going to go the way of Crucible. Um, and I guess I oh, hope yeah. it will because it seems like an actual active problem to me. Not, not just a uh, – the Crucible came out and it was not ready and so we had to shelve it more like – from toe to tip, from, like, the inception of this game, it has a a through line that, like, should make everyone cringe a little bit, I think. Totally.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's... I mean, I, I, this, I guess this will be, like, the last part of, of what I'll say about this. Yeah. But I do think it has some connections to... I mean, e- even another video game that I covered at Kotaku, which I, I got a lot of flack for when I was like, hey, maybe this game about being a space colonist should have uh should have changed the title a little bit and maybe there should have been less kind of ha jokes about colonialism in there because you know now all of us are laughing in the same way and i was like i was very polite about it i was very chill about it yeah. but i think a lot of those roots come from the same place of uh these are just fantasies from people who are uh, like kind of out of touch out of touch with right. you know um the just the reality of how a lot of those things worked and you know they're still romanticizing the wrong parts of it and not really grappling with the, the real ugly truth of it all. And, you know, a lot, there are a lot more of us now in the space being like, Hey, uh, actually, you know what? Fuck that. Uh, I think this is wrong. And <laughs> this is kind of very cringy, like you said. And um,
0: yeah, I honestly, I don't know who it's for like, come up. Yeah. With literally anything else. else. Um, yeah. it, 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 it's so strange to me. Um, one of the things that I think is, is interesting about Amazon Game Studios and, and, and it's tangentially connected uh, is their Luna service, which I have not gotten a chance to play with yet, even though I've got an invite sitting in my uh, inbox. I should probably get to that. Um, but it's a cloud gaming service. And mm-hmm. we've seen uh, over the past year and most notably this week, big companies that have limitless money. Um, it doesn't mean that they can get cloud shit to work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Google Stadia has closed their first party studios. They have closed um, a lot of their operation centers for Stadia. They have fired Jade Raymond, uh, who was going to head up a lot of their game stuff. Um, Why, why did these big companies try to make this happen? What do you think it is about, about this that these giant non-gaming companies are trying to what solution are they trying to create here?
1: That that's a great question. I feel like there's um th- there's a bit of like this sort of very uh specific arrogance I feel like that comes from these major tech corporations that feel like they can just introduce themselves into this space that they yeah. don't really have much prior experience in outside of things like, you know, YouTube and and Twitch and stuff like that. But with Stadia's case in particular, I feel like they were trying to solve a problem that didn't quite exist just yet. And the problems <laughs> that they were trying to solve were, were, they weren't that much of an issue in my opinion. I feel like, so there are Pros and cons, I feel like to to Stadia um, that I feel like worked, and I feel like they're that you know they they may have been a little bit ahead of of the curve here, but um, I do feel like they're just injecting money and uh, resources into a thing without truly understanding what makes this space and and the and the art that is created within it so special, right? So I feel like it 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 is again kind of it comes back to that and an analytic sort of data-driven um, mentality that, oh, we can just apply what works in this other space into this space, and time and time again, the, the games industry just proves uh, that wrong, that mentality wrong. And um, yeah, I just feel like there was no real... And, and it's it's so... Stadia is so interesting to me. I, I mean, I've been pretty much I guess covering it into some capacity since it, since it launched. I, I reviewed the launch uh, I guess Stadia version at Kotaku, and I, I feel like Stadia to me is, it's fascinating because it it does provide some really cool things, and there are there were times when I've used it personally that were like, oh, this is actually really cool. I can you know when it works and when it connects to things that third party developers are, are, are already already have established like in Destiny 2's case, for example, like the fact that I could grind in Destiny Two while I was, you know, at home for Thanksgiving before, you know, in the before times. Um yeah. and not miss a beat, play it on my laptop when I had some downtime, like in the morning or whatever. Uh that was cool, you know, like the like the the feeling of like, oh man, I gotta go home for the holidays and I can't take I mean I I guess I could take my Xbox with me or whatever. But uh, I never did. And the Switch kind of solved that to an extent. But uh, there's a lot of things that Stadia promised, especially that they never really delivered on. And the stuff that really went well, for example, like, I mean, feel how you feel about Cyberpunk. I mean, I, I personally am not a huge fan. Also, that car outside is not a huge fan, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's funny how it like it ran surprisingly well on Stadia. Yep. Um, you know, there, there was a really cool Hitman 3 implementation for Stadia where you can sort of like uh, just almost like save out templates of, uh, Hitman 3 levels with conditions And like have people play them instantly Like there were really cool things as data is trying But they're not really like Pushing that stuff and, and instead they're like shoehorning This weird subscription model And they're you know it's just like It is just such a weird tangled Knot of a thing that I I just can't figure out again Who it's for because Um there are times when the stuff that actually works is is really cool. But then there are also times where it's just like, well, why don't I just like play it on my Xbox? Like, it's it's just a lot easier that way. And all my friends are there. And I don't know. It's just... Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. The, the
0: penetration of it has had to have been so... Uh, vast to make this work, and and the Stadia stuff yeah. needs to connect to everything else, which is kind of antithetical, and I think what they were trying to build. Were you were you at GDC when they announced Stadia?
1: No, okay. but but I remember watching that presentation, and you know, again, hearing all the promises of like the teraflops and like here are a thousand player worlds, which I think Amazon was also trying yes. to to or you know get at. Um, it's that sounded cool as shit. I was like, oh, this is great! Sure. Like, this is a really cool way, like, to lean into uh, a new sort of technology that can, um, you know, uh, provide new experiences. And and that's the cool. That was the the cool promise of Stadia, right? It was like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I could play Assassin's Creed, and and that's just you know, that's cool, whatever. But. I am curious to see what these 1,000 player battle royale, I mean, that's that was like sort of like the thing that got thrown around a lot, yeah. even though I don't know if I ever want to play that. Um, that, seemed, that promise seemed really, really cool. But um, again, as we see with a lot of their previous experiments, um, it doesn't seem to be going right. And I know a lot of that too um, is kind of like on the side of the developers as well, right? It's like, what incentive do they have to really push their product on your platform and provide, you know, uh, resources and time to like Stadia specific features when, you know, that install base is like, is it worth it? You know what I mean? Like if we're talking about data and and analytics, like on, on their side, is it like, okay, well, should we do that? Like, I guess if Google throws a briefcase full of money at us, then like, I guess, but you know, otherwise it's like, is it really worth the effort? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I I remember we were in that room when they announced everything and mm. people were ooing and awing and it was it was cool. We we kind of left that meeting, that that presentation and then the meetings we had after that. We we left that week feeling like this was mostly bullshit. And yeah. when it came out, I cuz you know, I You know, I got the founders edition or whatever it was called, and and I tried it day one, week one, month one, and then that periods after it. I know people that played Stadia and it worked well for them, so I want to believe that experience and I want to trust that. And the people who say that it worked well, I go, okay, that's cool. I'm really glad it worked. This never worked for me in multiple wired connection. Scenarios. There was just way too much latency, even after messing with a bunch of settings and, and and stuff like that. It was just never consistent enough on a multiplayer or single player basis for it to be uh, fun for me. And and it was just like the moment, the the one time I played something and I felt like it was maybe the best it could be. I thought. As long as I know that it could just be like this forever, but but right. like the problem with p- playing over the cloud, which like no one has been able to fix, e- even even the Windows stuff, which like the, the Microsoft stuff, which is actually pretty impressive, the XCloud stuff, um, mm-hmm. I still have had issues with that too. Um, but Google's offering was so inconsistent; it surprised me. And yeah. but what didn't surprise me was that they killed it so fast. I mean, because this is, you can go to, and I don't know if any of our listeners have been here, but it's one of my favorite websites, killedbygoogle.com to just look at the list of services and products that Google has created. And the lifespan of these products are, I mean, this is this is their MO. They, they create a lot of stuff and they churn. Um, even stuff that is apparently popular, they kill often, and Stadia yeah. was not even a thing that I think was very popular. And if I, I would, lo- I would, I, there's almost nothing I would rather have in front of me than the financials for Google Stadia about how much money they oh were giving God. to other developers and publishers to, to just, like you said, to basically like set aside a room in their publishing and development wing for the group of people to make their game work on Stadia. Like that cost yeah. had to have been exorbitant for everyone and
1: yeah and like that 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 couldn't have been a great you know uh meeting at you know cd project red and they were like oh okay we gotta you know hire all these people to basically port this thing to stadia and i guess to be clear too um they're, they're closing down their first party operations right. so like the subscription model and the infrastructure is That's still, still gonna, there you know it's still going to be yep. there yeah but but for how long right it's like how, you know, what is Google going to offer to folks, even like myself, right? Because I, I, there there was, you know, in that first year when I had the, the, the I still had like a, a year's worth of Stadia Pro, yeah. I think it's called, yeah. um, which I got for review. So I was like, you know what, like there's a game on sale. I forgot what game it was. I think it might have been like Assassin's Creed or something because my partner really wanted to play it. And I, I thought giving her the ability to play on multiple screens would be cool. And it actually was. She was able yeah. to play it you know, in the bedroom and, and wherever on her, on her laptop. And that's the sometimes. ideal.
0: Like that's, that was the promise. Like that's a very cool thing.
1: Yeah. But, but what happens when, and, and this is a question that we've all been asking for, I feel like since this thing was announced <laughs> at, you know, or, or or demonstrated at GDC, which by the way, I do want to share one small anecdote that I found really funny about that whole thing. But um, what happens when they shut it down? Right. Like is, do, do you do you get mailed a copy <laughs> of like the game on, on another platform or do you have like a, a, a copy of it that you can somehow download and install on a machine somewhere? What if you, I mean, that was the promise of Stadia, right? It's like yeah. no machines. And, and, and that was kind of cool, right? Like getting a code for red dead Two, which I, I had already played on, on PS4 pro at the time and being like, okay, instantly jump into it. Like that is really cool. Yeah. And um, there is something really innovative and 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 uh, promising about that functionality where i'm no longer having to do the math on my consoles of like oh okay i got to delete these two games cuz i want to download the latest patch for apex or i got to you know just got to do that shuffle all the time or add additional storage or whatever but um, i feel like a lot in a lot of ways like you said even just having a moment of that delay or that that you know, that hitching, it, it just completely ruins the experience for you. And it's like, all right, well, I'd rather just be rendering this locally yeah. and not have that issue for a single player game right. where I'm not even online anyway. Yeah. It's just another element of the game. I mean, the games are
0: unbelievably complex to run in yeah. and it is, it's a miracle that we ever, ever, ever get one to actually function. I mean, by the time it's totally. in our hands, many miracles have had, had to have happened essentially. And for us to throw in the, uh, the total randomness of us internet infrastructure and net code and a bunch of that stuff to get even the most like basic stuff to run. Um, there's like a, there's like a, a, this is like a corny way to put it, but like a, just like a, a a mistrust of like, I don't trust this. I don't trust that I can turn this on and get it to work. If I if I turn on my PS5 right now, I trust that Hitman Three is going to load pretty fast, and I'll be able to play it in about I don't know forty five seconds or whatever, like yeah, without any sort of issues. Like a PlayStation Five, for better or worse, I can be an idiot. I can leave it on overnight, forget to turn it off, come back, unpause it, and pick up where I was, and it's just like right. You know, there's like a a weird kind of trust issue with the stadia stuff, and I think when when we heard their premise that first day, uh, we all kind of looked at each other in our hotel room later, thinking, if they don't get the first party stuff to work, this doesn't make sense for them. Yeah. and now that we know that this is the first thing that they've really parted with were their first party studios and that support that that just tells me that okay we're on a 6 to 9 month timeline for them to basically shut this down i mean they haven't said that but like you know i have to imagine that the that they're not sending out remaining third party contracts i have to imagine i don't know that yeah. but like it it doesn't really make sense i think for the reasons that we've disgust to keep throwing that money. You're throwing bad money. Uh, you're, you're throwing good mo- money at bad essentially at this point, because like, if you're not working on getting those first parties up and by the way, like fucking someone just uh, Jay Raymond should make a game. Like it's been forever. Yeah. I feel like she has been the, the victim more or less of Seriously. these terrible, terrible practices where people put her in this position to succeed. And then it's just a, it's a position to fail. Um, but yeah. yeah,
1: I I got to imagine, too, that again, I, I want a uh, borrowing a phrase from my arguably my favorite game of the last few years, Tetris Effect. Uh, it, it's all connected. Like, I feel like they got to be looking at um, things happening at Amazon with Crucible and, and uh, the other two games that they were trying to uh, with Nova and Intensity, uh, which were basically League of Legends and Fortnite clones. Um, they got to be looking at those Projects and going, Uh-oh, uh oh, <laughs> should we should we also kind of batten down the hatches and and uh, that funny little anecdote about GDC, which I which I I again I kind of love and it's also a bit tragic, was that uh, that story about the like creative agency who was hired to make a lot of that, um you know that space that they had built out for yeah. GDC where they had like old consoles for things. I remember them. Uh, Cause I mean, in, in, in all, tr- in all truth, like I I probably would have worked in a, in a similar space like that. I've worked in similar spaces like that, where you're working with brands and trying to figure out like, what are you trying to communicate here? And they had a huge problem with, with Stadia and, and Google trying to like establish what that was, what they were, what kind of message, what kind of story they were trying to tell. And I feel like that continues to be the main theme here with Stadia is like, what the, like, what's going on? Like, who is this for? <laughs> and what are you trying to do? And, and they're just like. I don't know, we have a lot of money, and we you know we have the infrastructure to do this. so why not? And I think with games, again, it's tough to just do that because yeah. it's it's like you said, it's like a, a lot of things have to line up and go right, and you can't just throw money at that. It's got to be, you know it's it's there's some there's some special sauce there that that they're just not getting right, even though they're hiring you know in a lot of ways the right people, like yes, Jade Raymond, please. Let her make a game already.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, But yeah, it's not the most surprising thing that this has not gone well. Um, I know a lot of people pointed that out, but it doesn't make it less true. This is just the latest in a long line of things that Google has uh, come out of the gate swinging. I mean, making big swings and big statements and then um, not really being able to follow through. Uh, which is a bummer yeah. uh, we mentioned a second ago uh, hitman three stadia implementation being really cool uh, there are reasons why we won't get too far into hitman three discussion as you'll soon find out uh, on the fan podcast network uh, but i did want to ask you this week uh, was uh, the rollout plan for like new content was released for hitman three which is i i would say at, is quite impressive. I would t- like, mm. I think that's an understatement. What, like, first of all, how impressed are you by this team at this point? And, um, you know, what do you see kind of coming around the bin for Hitman and as a whole, and also just the content rollout for Hitman 3 generally?
1: I, so I love IO Interactive. Like, sincerely like i i feel like at this point they're like family (laughs) you know what i (laughs) mean like i have been the way i sort of like when i see that name i recognize it because i'm actually i so i'm not like the biggest hitman stan like i've I've played sure i mean i had hitman 2 silent assassin on ps2 and and i played that thing that thing was in heavy rotation because you know I, i was we weren't rich i wasn't rich growing up so like we only got a couple games out of the year and we had to like really put them through their paces uh, Hitman Two is like a perfect one to do that with. Um, I pl- I loved Freedom Fighters. Uh, I, and then you know, I kind of skipped over Hitman for a while and and got back into it with the latest trilogy. And I've I've been keeping my my eyes on it as over the years, of course. But um, I first of all I love the fact that I O especially with Hitman Three are like winning and um really winning the hearts of of a lot of folks out there who yeah. you know based off of how much they've made even already on hitman three and how it sort of recoup costs for production is so good to hear yeah. because I like, they're, they're one of those companies, like in a lot of ways, I, I also think about responding that way where I'm like, I really root for these companies cause they're like really doing good shit. And they, you know, they, they figured out a way to monetize a thing, even though they've, they've tried and failed before in IO's um, case with uh, the sort of episodic release schedule, which didn't quite work out. Um, at least they're trying stuff, right? Right. And and they've they figured out the the sort of the perfect way to do it in Hitman Three's case, and them building out that world of assassin, assassination trilogy and the way it was easy for them to basically lay down the groundwork for adding things like what we're talking about, which is like the February release schedule, which you know you know introduces a lot of new contracts and, and basically remixing the levels over and over again, which is kind of what this game is all about um, is it's just brilliant. It like, no one is operating in my opinion on their level in the sense that like they have really, really put in the work and they've been doing this for over 20 years now at this point um, in establishing a formula that really, really works um, inside of like this beautiful, you know, mechanical watch that you get to tinker around with over and over and over again. And it it's actually like paying off for them quite literally. Um, so yeah, I, I'm like, I'm so excited. I, I hope that this also means, cause I, you know, they've, they've been looking at this that they've been sort of promoting hitman three as like the end of the trilogy right. of the world of assassination. And this is like the final installment. But what I hope is that this doesn't necessarily mean that this is the end for the hitman franchise. I hope it's like the I at, at the very least, I kind of do hope. <laughs> and I don't know how I don't know how much flack I'm gonna get for this. I would love to see them maybe take a break from like Agent 47 yeah. in the way that I'm like with Star Wars. I'm like, I honestly can we just stop caring about the Skywalkers yeah, like please. Can we just 100%. move on? Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I would love to see the, I mean and I think there really is a way to to build on this already like immaculate engine and um all the moving pieces that are within it like to include some sort of like cool multiplayer twist to it in a a, a future edition of of like a hitman game or just something else right something new but i hope they don't completely abandon uh the hitman series which i doubt they will because i mean i feel like it's kind of coming back into uh, a new light, yeah and um, yeah I'm curious have you, have you actually played uh, hitman three yeah
0: i I am still working my way through Hitman One and two because that's one of those things where nice. i I have had those games for a long time. I know I do not need in any way to wait to get to Hitman three, but there is like a a rhythm I want to get into, and I just like had not. Actually, I had not really dived into these games yet. Uh, I'd watched a lot of it. It's kind of kind of like Austin Walker in the sense that, like, you know, he never played. He never played the game the year that he put it on his goatee list or whatever. It's just like a thing that Ooh. you you experience either by osmosis or by observation, and it's still very very fascinating. And after having played right. uh, a few levels, um, I, I g- completely understand it. I completely understand the yeah. appeal of this game. And it's one of those things not to give them uh, a multi-billion dollar idea that they're welcome to steal. And I'm sure they've already had before, but it's like you alluded to multiplayer, the biggest game in the world, you know, in, of 2020 was among us. And I feel like yes. Hitman is a prime candidate for this unbelievably yes. funny, silly, weird, but tense version of that game. Um, and you know, they could easily do it. They, they've they also, you know, it was recently announced that they're handling the James Bond franchise coming up. Like licensed products are always a little bit scary in that, you know, the, the license uh, usually comes with some requirements um, that, you know, maybe kind of get in the way of the fun. But if anyone is going to take that franchise and do something interesting with it, it it's probably IO. So, like, I think the break from Agent 47 is probably more of a hey, we know we're going to have to make this thing instead of like a creative break. But I agree with you. I think I would love it if they make whatever this Bond game is and then come back in a few years and say, this is the world of assassination, but like we're going to step away from Hitman, from Agent 47. Maybe it's a created player. Maybe it is – like I would love to see them deal with like a creative suite of like creation tools because – There's so much comedy in the fact that you're walking around trying to be stealthy with a barcode on the back of your head. It's not, it's not like you can't just create a character that looks, uh, like strange or weird. It's like, I would love to see maybe them branch out into, into something like that. So, um, I don't know. It feels like this year's dark. I mean, uh, not dark souls. Oh my God. I'm looking at Twitter while Merit's (laughs) talking about Merit souls. And that's why I said that. Um, (laughs) it feels like this year's monster hunter world to me in the sense that Mm. it's a franchise that has been around forever, been beloved forever, but really this is the first time I'm, I'm seeing people who've never touched the franchise get into it. And, uh, from a sales perspective that that seems to also follow through where they've, you know, they've already paid for the development. It's just gravy from now on. And it seems like it has hit the cultural zeitgeist in a way that it hadn't before.
1: Um, Totally. Yeah. Yeah, And, and I think, yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. I think like all the pieces are in place for this thing to really take off in a way that, I mean, they, they kind of were already, but now I feel like we're, we're, we're all at home we're all, it's like kind of like the animal crossing effect as well. Right. It's like, we're all at home. A lot of us are streaming. We're uploading clips to social media. And this, this game is like, it's it's perfect for that. and, yeah, I would, I would love even if they, it, it, it could totally like snap into place inside of a Hitman structure where, you know, a group of you, let's say four people are tasked with taking out a specific target or it could be something more along the lines of uh, like a heist. Because right. like I feel like a lot of that, a lot of those moving parts are, again, to give them another billion dollar idea, IO, it. it's only because I love you, um, but I would love a check. Um, it, it's like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm. I'm joking, by the way. Uh, <laughs> um, it it feels like, yeah, that they could totally figure something out and, and, and make it work. And, and I ha- I have like, I have all, like the faith in IO Interactive finding out a way to refresh that formula in in uh, in a fun and, and invigorating style that folks will just naturally gravitate towards. Because, yeah, for for years we. Uh, hitman fans have been like this is the coolest fucking game in the world and now that people are finally like oh wow this this might actually be the coolest game in the fucking world um we're we're all just like yes like come on in water's warm (laughs) let's go it's it's a good time yeah
0: yeah no it's 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 super super good time for games i feel like i think 2020 was actually very good and and even rolling into 2021 it just keeps keeps coming Oh yeah. What else have you been uh, uh, playing lately?
1: Anything? anything Uh, Note just a little Apex Season Eight, um, which came out this week. Which I'm a big again respawn Apex Legends fan here. Um, I I, to me once it came out, it was like okay, this is the one for me. I I tried Fortnite for a bit, and I didn't like you know getting shot at and then shooting back, and then a community college would pop up (laughs) where you know I was just shooting. (laughs) Or, like, uh, I tried uh, PUBG, but PUBG was cool at first. It was, like, definitely a cool proof of concept. But none of the other Battle Royales basically, like, really stuck with yeah. me. But Apex just feels so good. And the ca- the, the characters are great, uh, you know, despite a couple missteps here and there. Um, I love the way they're, like, the rolling out the content. I appreciate that studio just being like, yo, y'all, y- you guys are going to get it when you get it. Like, we're not going to crunch for this shit. Like, you guys will be fine. Um, I love that approach in general, I will say. Um, but yeah, Apex season eight in particular introduced a new character by the name of Fuse, which, uh, I immediately like purchased cause I, I thought they would fit into like my, my play style. Um, yeah, it's, it's been great. Oh, there's also like a new, there's a new gun there, which, which I really appreciate, which is like this sort of. This uh, long-range rifle that's not quite a sniper, but also not quite an assault rifle, yeah. which is kind of the sweet spot of like my favorite sort of mid-to-long-range style weapon. Um, but yeah, and I also have a ton of friends who who play it. A lot of folks in, in our podcast Discord play it. We we often we have like an Apex Legends tag or role that we'll often put the bat signal out for of like, yo, who wants to play? And, and we're playing within you know a few minutes. So it's just like it's just my favorite sort of comfort game to play either. 20 minutes of or 4 hours of yeah. depending on how much time I actually have. Yeah. Um but yeah, have you played Season Yeah, I played a couple rounds of Fuse
0: yesterday and uh with Fuse yesterday, I should say. Um I I love that their characters all seem to focus on an element of the game that like isn't someone's 4K. So like I pick up I yeah. pick up grenades in Apex, but like I rarely use them. I I, I like Ooh. I like don't think about it. I don't really I, I don't I don't really pay attention to my inventory. They're usually the first thing I drop if I'm over encumbered with stuff. I usually just pick up ammo okay. and I'm like I, I focus on that. But Fuse is cool because uh, he has a a cooler way of shooting grenades. Like when he equips them, he can equip more of them. He can mm-hmm. do a lot of things with explosives that like other characters can't. And, um, I think he's a really cool character. He's a really good character for, I think folks just getting into the game because he's not very complicated. Yeah. um, It's an offensively minded character, so you can really, uh, you know, just drop in and kind of get get the way to land pretty quickly. So really accessible character, plus uh, some other improvements and additions. Uh, That's a game that like, by the way, two years ago this week is when it launched. Um, Wow. And I don't know about you, but like that felt big when they dropped that. They dropped that totally cold. um, And. I had the exact same reaction you did. I played other battle royales. I like I like the idea of them, but did not like my options. And Apex Legends is, the shooting feels so good. The movement feels so good. And it continues to be one yeah. of those games that like, I will never uninstall this game. So that's, I, I think, a real compliment to uh, any game in the year of our Lord. 2021, where I'm always
1: <laughs> managing my uh, disc size. So I, I I should also say real quick that, um, th- th- again, a testament to how much I love this yeah. game, that despite it not offering cross save, this is the third. So I'm playing it yeah. now. Like I'm I'm playing it now on Xbox Series X yeah. and uh, I've played it on PS4 before. Yep. I played it on PC and now I'm playing it on Xbox Series X. And I really don't mind having to grind all over Same. again. Or, I mean, I did the same thing with Hitman where I, am you know, I had to like start all over again, basically. I don't mind because I, I love this game so much and, um, you know, I'm unlocking different things and I'm, I'm just sort of finding different play styles because I'm forced to play with other characters. And the game has enough flexibility there where, yeah, you still got to be kind of nice in a first person shooter, but um, you don't have to be like the star of the show. Right. You, you can really be, um, it's one of the things that I loved about. Overwatch too, which which was easy to to get folks to to play, where you know you didn't have to be a sniper all the time. You could be, you can offer and provide uh, additional levels of support and in, in, in different ways. And um, it's also funny enough, like I played it on PC with mouse and keyboard. I'm also like not great at mouse and keyboard games, I, like or shooting with mouse and keyboard. I mean, like, the only games I can really do that with are, like, slower games, like Battlefield or, or right. whatever, where I'm not sort of, you know, sliding down a hill and yeah. doing triple front flip over people. Um, so, uh, with, but with Apex, like, I feel like because I played Titanfall 2, especially on a controller, and a lot of, like, you know, just growing up as a console shooter fan, um, it just feels so, like, delicious yeah. on a controller, like, the way that I can especially if I was playing it on a scuff for a while, like the Vantage two or whatever it's called. Um, and, but even without the paddles, like it just feels so good to me on a controller that even on PC, I'll play with a controller and I, I still do really, really well. And it's a testament to like how tight those controls are and how robust those mechanics are that you can still kind of go toe to toe with folks, um, you know, on mouse keyboard. And yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely. I, I played a couple rounds actually with Colin uh, last yeah. weekend. I think it was, and um, I'm definitely not as good as Colin. Colin's but, uh, really I'm just kind good. of embarrassing. Myself. Colin's very good. At Colin is wild. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm still like good enough to to not be the the last person in, in the. You know, I'm I'm always like right in the middle. Like, oh, okay, I did a little bit of damage. We got a few kills. I'm not. I'm not mad at that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. hundred percent. Um. Yeah. We should. We should hop on soon. Play a few rounds. Yo, looks, I'm down. Let's do it. it. Um, anything else on your mind this week before we uh before we wrap up?
1: Uh, I'm gonna I'm getting into Formula 1. It's official. Oh, uh, that's big. Yeah. We we're, we're doing this. 2021 Formula 1. Right. It's it's a go. Okay. Yeah, I started watching that uh Netflix Formula One documentaries. Sure. Have you seen that? Uh, I haven't. It's uh, it was recommended to me to me by
0: uh, the show Shift F One, but no, I have not. Uh, I've not watched the the series yet.
1: I've always wanted to get into it, and it, it also does feel like the worst parts of. Capitalism, Sure. Was,
0: oh yeah. It's, it's just like, yeah. it, it is, it is exactly that b- b- terrible scene from Iron Man two, where they like yeah. go to this super, sea, where they go to Monaco and it's just like a bunch of rich people and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, no, it's still really interesting.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I had, I went on a tie read last night to my part, my poor partner who, who somehow still puts up with me <laughs> um, but I, I talked about how much I love, like it, just in general, right? Like the, the, uh, the unfortunately straight thing about me still is that I love cars so much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I, that I was, I went on a rant about was like, I love like a classic, like bright red Ferrari. Yeah, sure. And in a lot of ways, like that, that beautiful piece of engineering and design is like a product of the ugliest parts of like (laughs) capitalism and all the things that had to go into making that thing is horrible, but you, but you still can't lie and be like, damn, that, that, I mean, that just looking at one of those is so beautiful. And, and F1 seeing, you know, the amount of effort that goes into it behind the scenes as well is it's really cool. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm officially an F1 fan. So, uh, yeah. You'll see me at Monaco next I'm, year.
0: I can't wait. Let's go together. Here's the thing I'll say about like F1 and car racing and stuff like this is that, like, if this was the only expression of the excess of capitalism, we'd be okay. Like, that, that's what yeah. I'll say is that, like, <laughs> this is a relatively harmless expression of that, I feel like. I mean, maybe yeah, maybe that's yeah. maybe that's giving it too much credit. Maybe that's like not really fair. There are probably a ton of like underbelly problems with this that like I could really look at and examine and think about. But it's like, for the most part, it feels like the a, a very mostly harmless way of this kind of expression. Which like whatever. I, I don't have. Yeah, listen, sh- I, I like problematic shit. I like professional wrestling. Vince McMahon is the worst person that's ever lived maybe. Uh, but I, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it's like, you know, we like problematic shit, but I'm excited for you. I want you to get me into it. Once you get into it, I want to, I want to get into it.
1: All right, cool. Yeah. I'll give you the, I'll give you like the hitman three stop. Okay. Like each, each driver. That's good.
0: I mean, I know Lewis Hamilton because of course, Yeah, that's the only one I know right. too. Um, only driver. I yeah. Know. But that's about it. Um,
1: Paul, and he's cool as
0: he shit. He is super cool. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Is that <laughs> like why these people are like fucking cool? They seem rad. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, they they're they're extraordinarily handsome men that drive cars really fast. It's just like it's
1: not fair. It's not fair. You, like, have one or the other. Right. Bro. Like, you can't be hot and drive, be a, hot car and drive a car real
0: Real good. Come on.
1: No. Come on. Um, <laughs> Paul, thanks for hanging out. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thank yeah, you for having course. me. Of course. Um, if you want to uh find Paul online, uh Paul, where should people uh find find your
1: wares? Uh you can find me on Twitter uh at Polymio. It's in A Y O. I'm also on Twitch under the same name, so twitch.tv slash polymo, um, where I stream now every Saturday with with some friends. Uh so come come hop in the chat and you got you might get to rub elbows with the... Uh, some really cool folks in the, in the, on the games media side of things. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that's where I'm, that's where I usually am. You should definitely go do that. Everyone. Um, you can also check out all of our
0: podcasts over at fanbyte.com/podcasts podcast, which is my favorite URL that we own. Uh, Paul, have you ever seen a list of the URLs that we own? No, okay. I have. I only Let's, know of like three or four. I definitely want to share that with you because we own some wild ones. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah. The wilder the URL, please send them my way. We uh, we own some wild ones. And some of them don't even work yet, so we need to connect them to something. But, yeah, they're pretty funny. Um, Nice. uh, Okay, yeah. Well, you know what? I'll talk to you in about 10 minutes probably. But uh, for everyone else listening at home, uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Embracer Group, the games holding company formerly known as THQ Nordic AB, is finalizing three huge acquisitions to bolster its overall offering. Within Embracer are subsidiaries that act as labels for other developers and publishers. There were six of those labels before this week, and now there are eight. Embracer is spending $640 million for Easybrain, which is a Cyprus-based mobile game developer that will become one of the major labels under Embracer. Easybrain is synonymous with Sudoku Games. On mobile devices and will likely serve as a curator of all of embracer's major mobile publishing the eighth label under Embracer will be gearbox software developer of the Borderlands series and recent entrant into publishing the deal is worth 1.3 billion dollars and randy pitchford will continue to lead teams in frisco texas and in quebec and is expected to grow the latter and open new studios in other cities with the cash injection Gearbox will continue to curate and publish games as its own label under the Embracer umbrella. Pitchford indicated several Gearbox's employees will become multi-millionaires as a result of this deal since the company is employee-owned. The full amount of the purchase will be paid out over six years after a beefy initial $363 million investment. Their deal to work with 2K on the Borderlands series remains unchanged for now. Embracer also added Aspire Media to their Sabre label. The Austin, Texas-based developer publisher made their hay porting uh, porting console and PC games to Mac OS, but have dabbled in mobile and soup to nuts publishing as well. The deal is worth $450 million in total with an initial $100 million investment. The management team in Austin will remain in charge of day-to-day operations. No word yet if my internship from the year 2010 had anything to do with Aspire's sale. You have to wonder though. Hey, just a few quick hits before we hang it up for the week. Variety reported that an HBO film is in the works chronicling the meteoric rise of GameStop stock prices as a result of the short squeeze applied over the past few weeks. This is in addition to a documentary in pre-production, as well as a feature film being written by Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker's Mark Bull. <laughs> this sucks. Hey, speaking of sucks, Apple's prototype VR headset will reportedly hit the market at a $3,000 price point before going back to the drawing board for a presumably cheaper and more consumer-friendly headset later. The rumored headset will feature a LiDAR sensor and 8K displays, according to reports from Bloomberg. Definitely not overkill. The Oculus Quest 2 is on the market now for $300, just as a reminder. Finally, Polly Lou Livingston, the voice of Tree Trunks from Adventure Time in San Antonio, Texas, local legend, passed away on January 24th at the age of 91. News of her passing was circulated on Thursday by former Adventure Time animators and writers. Her voice performance as Tree Trunks was excellent and one of the finest, purest Texas accents I've ever heard on screen. Rest easy. That is going to do it for this week's episode of Thanks for the Knowledge. I want to thank Paul Tamayo for hanging out with me. You can catch all of our great podcasts Paul helps produce alongside Jordan Mallory over at podcastnet.org. Please give this show a glowing review on the podcast platform of your choice. It helps us out a lot. I hope you all have a nice week, and until next time, you're welcome.